Good morning. What a wonderful, wonderful start for our day, is it not? Just to come and to be able to sing and to be in the presence of the Lord. I love you all so very much, and it's such a privilege, a privilege. It is such a privilege to be able to stand here and to be able to study the Word of God with one another. And so if you would, would you please turn with me in your Bibles? Would you turn with me to the 20th chapter of the book of Acts? I told you a few weeks ago that this place is a little bit too much to go through real quickly. And we did for, uh, you know, we went through the chapter, but kind of backtracked. And we came into what I think is perhaps one of the most important messages that we can hear as a church. And it is, well, it is entitled, Finish the Course. The most, I think, uh, I've said before, if you remember back at the theater when we were going to, at the theaters and then we moved to the forum, I kind of had it as a, a, a statement that I made so many weeks in a row. I said to you that it didn't matter, I don't believe unto the Lord, where we began this, this journey as believers in Jesus Christ. But since you've come here and since you're a part of what we are doing here at this church, it matters to us greatly how you and I finish our walk, our journey with the Lord. And today, Paul is going to make that message very clear to each and every single one of us here in the 20th chapter of the book of Acts. He's going to talk about how he has finished the course that the Lord God laid before him. Now, here's the problem, I think, with most Christians today. Most of us today really don't realize or recognize what our course is. We don't seem to understand what it is that the Lord God has for us to finish. And I am here to say to you by the authority of the Word of God that it is not that difficult to find what your course is. What is usually the problem with us as believers is we do not want to begin. We do not have, I don't know, would it be the courage? Would it it be the, I don't know what the word would be. Maybe feeling competent enough to begin to think that I, myself, me, we could do something unto the Lord that might be meaningful. And what we've been learning over and over again, it's not so much what we do, how grandiose it may be, how, how, what the results may be are not at issue. As we're going to see from Paul, what is at issue is do we begin? Do we start the course which our Lord God has given to us? I want to make mention of this before we begin and and read here in Acts. Um, We are going to have a baptism on Sunday, October the 14th. It will be in your bulletin. Sunday, October the 14th. There will be a baptism at one of the homes of one of our church members that has a pool. Um, As we did last year, we will have a picnic before the baptism begins. What's the sense of getting together as believers without food. There is no real sense to it, in my opinion. (laughs) So we will have a picnic. We will have a time of 
of having something to eat and fellowship with one another. There are more details about the picnic and about the baptism that will be announced in the next few weeks to come. But this is very important. If you wish to be baptized, there is a class that we require for you to take. It is scheduled for next Sunday after the second service. It will go from about noon to approximately 1 o'clock, a little bit maybe over, depending upon who will be teaching it and what the questions might be. There is a registration form that we would love for you to complete so that we know how many would be expected to be baptized. We're hoping there will be many. Um, If you can return that to the information center, which is out in the foyer, and any additional questions that you might have, if you would call, please, Shelly Bentley. Her name is Shelly Bentley. Give her a call at the church office, and she will be able to answer any and all questions that you might have about this baptism. So, it is October the 14th. That's a Sunday. Next week, Sunday, September the 30th, we will have a a class for you to attend. Let's take a look at Acts. Chapter 20. And let's start at verse 17 and read to verse 24. It says, from Miletus, he, meaning Paul, sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews." How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound in spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except, verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But he says in verse 24, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. It's interesting to me, in this place in Scripture, if you'll note at verse 23, Paul says, I'm sure of this one thing. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, has testified to me that I'm going to suffer bonds and afflictions in every city. Think about that. It is the Lord God himself telling him through God the Holy Spirit that he is going to suffer afflictions and bonds in every city that he goes to. Some of us wonder, you know, when we go through difficulties, why? What what am I doing wrong? What do I need to 
make better in my life so that these bonds or these trials or these difficulties that I'm going through might disappear. When in fact, folks, theology has been taught very incorrectly in and through churches. We sometimes go through difficulties for whatever reason, but the Lord knows and the Lord allows it so that perhaps we'll grow, so that perhaps we'll mature. Perhaps it's the only way that the Lord could move us or, or, or get our attention. Who knows? It's myriads of reasons. But Paul knew one thing for certain. The Holy Spirit taught him, testified to him, that he was going to go through difficulties in every place that he went. And yet he said, I am willing to go. I don't even count my life, he says, as anything dear to myself, he said. I want to finish what God has given me to do. That's what Jesus Christ said when he was on the cross. You remember one of the last words he, he one of the last words he said was, It is it's finished. I've done all that God has asked me to do. It is finished. I have completed what God has given me. What I would love to do today, if by the grace of God he would allow us is for you and me to walk away from here knowing that we are in the process of finishing what God has given us to do. And I am here to say to you, it's not, it's not, like, um, it's not like you have to be a genius to find out what God wants you to do. Here's what Paul... I didn't pray yet. Let's pray, and then I'm going to tell you what Paul did, how he started the process. Father, would you please... Would you please, dear Father... Bless this, our time together with you. Would you, Father, open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our thoughts that we might behold wonderful things from your law, the words that we have just read concerning your servant, Paul, and how he can teach each of us if we'll just listen and hear your voice through your words. I beg of you, Father, that you would move me aside, that you would... Hide the one that gives the message because, Father, what we want to do here at this church is to center our minds and our hearts and our thoughts upon your Son. The more we fall in love with Him, dear Father, the more we will fall in love with you and the more we will know and understand you. It's like we learned last Friday, on Third Friday, that... And as Bill, Pastor Bill, taught us in the men in, on, on Wednesday mornings, we are to keep our first love, our love for you. Hold it tenderly. Keep it diligently. Be a people that fall more and more in love with you. So move the speaker aside so that we might see your word and your son and ultimately, you. Bless us, please, dear Father. Bless us, please, dear Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's not really how you and I begin this journey as Christians. What's important for us here at this church, and I believe what ought to be important to every one of our hearts here at this church, is how are we going to finish?
The last we saw of Paul, he was faithful. That was the word we used last week over and over again. He was faithful in saying goodbye to the Ephesians there in Ephesus, to the church in Ephesus. We saw that he was faithful. Look at verse 18 one more time. He was faithful to the believers that he led to Christ. He said, when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. He did not He did not stray away from them. He was there to teach them. He gave them all of his attention. He says, you know, I didn't stray away from that. I was with you the whole time. He was faithful to the believers. He led to Christ. He was also faithful to his Lord. Look at verse 19. He says, he served the Lord with all humility, with tears, and with trials, which came upon him through the plots of the Jews. He served the Lord. The whole time he was faithful to the people that God brought his way, he was also faithful to his Lord, serving him with humility, with tears, through trials. Thirdly, we saw last week that he was faithful to God's word. Look at verse 27, which we did not read this morning, but 27 is the best place to to see Paul's faithfulness to the Word of God. Paul says in verse 27, I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. See, Paul knew what his obligation was. Paul knew what his orders were, as you and I know. It's not a secret. You read through the book of Acts and and you see just as clearly as anyone that when Peter preached his first message on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls came to believe in Jesus Christ, what Peter wanted in the second chapter of the book of Acts, he says, I want you to be, remember, continually devoted to the things of God. And there were specific orders that they were to be continually devoted to. The apostles' teaching to fellowship with one another, to uh, communion. So Paul knew what his his task, his obligation, his orders were from God. And that was pure and simple to teach the Word. You see, the primary task of any church is to teach the Word of God. Because the Word of God does what only the Word of God can do. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, Ephesians 4.12 says this, We are to equip the saints. How do we equip the saints? We equip the saints for a purpose, for a ministry, for the work of service. So you and I become equipped. We become equipped by understanding what is in here. This equips us. So we are equipped to do the work of service so as to build up the body of Christ. Our understanding the Word of God, our using the Word of God that that comes within our own being, that we become equipped, we start doing the work of service, everyone starts doing the work of service to build up one another so that the body of Christ might be all that it should be. 
this goal of equipping one another can only be accomplished through a consistent and thorough teaching of the Word of God. Because note what Paul says. Paul says back in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, 21. No, verse 20, look. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. He taught them what was profitable. Teaching to you, he says, publicly, that's in wide open, he taught them, but also from house to house, privately, he taught them. Look at verse 31. He says, therefore, be on the alert. Remember that night and day, for a period of three years, I never ceased to admonish each of you with tears. And as we have already read in verse 27, he declared to them the whole purpose of the word of God. Paul reminds the Ephesian leaders in verse 20 that he didn't shrink from declaring to them anything that was profitable. And in verse 27, he says he did not also shrink from declaring to them the whole purpose of God. The word shrink there is very, very important. It is in the Greek, H-U-P-O, S-T-E-L-L-O, hupostello. It means to draw back. It means to withhold. In other words, Paul said to them, I did absolutely nothing. I did not draw back. I did not withhold to you the whole counsel of the word of God. He taught them all of the doctrine that was given to him personally by Jesus Christ. Those were his orders. And he followed through on them. As verse 20 tells us, Paul did this both publicly and also privately from house to house. This message that Paul gave out, the message that Paul declared to the people in Ephesus, no matter where he was, was the same to everyone. Look at verse 21. He says in verse 21, to both Jew and Greek, he talked of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the message that was given from Peter to all of the apostles. They taught of repentance and faith. Turn from sin, have faith in God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, a good spiritual leader, a good teacher, will have the courage to tell the truth no matter what the consequences might be, whether it be publicly or privately. Because, listen, think it through. In reality, folks, the message that is given every Sunday morning in whatever church you go into is not the message of the preacher. It is the Lord's message. We are to give out this, the Word of God. This is why we gather together, not to hear my thoughts, but to hear what the Bible says to your heart. And so the message that we are talking and telling from church to church ought to be the Lord's message, not ours. And we are not speaking to our people. We are speaking to the Lord's people, you and me. So who are we or who is anyone to change or to alter God's word? We don't have that privilege. We have been given orders to teach this diligently so we might equip one another for the work of service so that we would build up the body of Christ. And the word of God is the only thing that will do that. Look what Paul says. Look at chapter 26 of the book of Acts. 
When Paul was on trial, we'll come to chapter 26 eventually. <laughs> Who knows? We, in chapter 26, when Paul was on trial before King Agrippa, this is what he said in defense for himself before the king, King Agrippa. He says in verse 19 of Acts chapter 26, So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. The heavenly vision was what Jesus Christ told Paul to tell the people. Paul had, I have, everyone that opens up their mouth to, to speak forth words on a church service. We have been given orders. And my orders are the same of any apostles, anyone. It is to preach the teaching of the apostles, not to bury not to give you my idea, my thoughts on what religion is about, but what does God have to say to you and me? And so Paul says to King Agrippa in verse 19, I didn't prove disobedient to my heavenly vision. But he says in verse 20, I kept on declaring both to those of Damascus first, then to those in Jerusalem, and then throughout all the region of Judea, and even, he said, to the Gentiles. You see, Paul was saying to King Agrippa, I've taught everyone this heavenly message, this heavenly vision that has been given to me. And here's what I've taught them, he says at the end of verse 20, that they should repent and to turn to God, performing deeds appropriate to repentance. That's the message. Repentance turned to God. For this reason, he says in verse 21, some of the Jews seized me in a temple and tried to put me to death. Verse 22, he says, so having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great. In other words, it doesn't matter who I'm speaking to, someone of importance or someone who the world would say is not so important, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. In other words, he took the message that was given in the Old Testament and he proclaimed this message, the Old Testament message given through uh, the prophets and Moses. And what was the message? Verse 23, that the Christ, the Messiah, God himself was going to suffer. And that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he was not only going to suffer, but he was going to die and be resurrected from the dead. That he, Jesus Christ in this case, would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. You see, the message is to be the same to every person on the face of this earth. The only thing that Paul knew for certain, as you go back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 23 is what I said a little while ago, the only thing he knew for certain was that he was going to suffer bonds and affliction in every city that he placed his feet. But his response to that is what set Paul apart. His response was in verse 24. He says, but... Even though, he says, bonds and afflictions face me in every city that I go to, he says, but I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. So that, 
And this is what I want to say to you and me this morning. So that you and I might finish our course. And the ministry which we received from the Lord Jesus, Paul's ministry was to testify solemnly of the, of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul successfully fulfilled his ministry to the very end of his life. To the last days when he drew near to death, Paul knew what he wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 was true. Paul, you don't need to turn, you're going to know it. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Gain. He knew those, those words were true. For me to live is Jesus Christ. To die is nothing more than gain. So he said, I therefore don't count my life as anything dear to myself. No, what is dear to me, Paul says, is that I would finish the course that our Lord God laid out before him. You see what happened to Paul. Look at Acts chapter 21, verse 13. What happened to Paul was of no real consequence to himself. The people were, the people were, they loved Paul so much that they didn't want him to go out and get hurt. They didn't want him to go somewhere where he might be put in these bonds and afflictions and might be put near death. And so, as it says in verse 13 of chapter 21, Paul answered them and says, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? He says, I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Can you see now why, why our Lord trusted so much with Paul? I mean, Paul knew that his life was meaningless. This life that he lived was for Christ. And to die was only gain. So he says, why are you weeping? Why are you breaking my heart? I am so willing to go to Jerusalem. I'm ready not only to be bound, he says, but I'm willing and ready to die, if need be, for the cause of the name of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote Timothy right near the end of his life. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. And I have kept the faith. I fought, I finished, and I have kept. That ought to be the goal for every single one of us who name the name of Jesus Christ. And that is to complete successfully the ministry that God has given to you, and in my case, to me. And to do that, you and I must come to realize what is our ministry? What is it? What is it that God has called you to do? The best way I know how to explain what God has called you to do, if you're not sure, is to simply start getting busy serving the Lord in whatever capacity you desire. And if what you desire is already taken and the person who is doing it isn't going to be moved aside for you at this point in time, then 
you are to do, I am to do, we are to do whatever is needed at the time, knowing that our ministry will happen and be made known to us and come to fruition when we are faithful to God, faithful to the people He's brought before us, and faithful to His Word. I can only give you this as an example. Number one, I never had grandiose dreams of ministry. I knew that when I came to Christ, almost instantly, I wanted to tell people about how they could be saved. I didn't want people, I didn't want a soul to go to hell. Not a soul. And so I wanted to tell people about that. Didn't know how, but I wanted to. First people I remember speaking to with any kind of concern was my mother and my father. And I, I blew that really b- badly because I made them feel like they raised me incorrectly, which they didn't. They were wonderful parents. But uh, I made them feel like they didn't send me to church. They didn't get me grounded so that I had a faith in Christ. So I never had these grandiose dreams. And I started into ministry. Kay and I, by faith, went and started a ministry that we had to be supported by, by others. And we, we started a ministry by faith with professional athletes because that's... That's what I knew. And so I started with the Dodgers, went to Vero Beach. Then I went to, the, then I went to Palm Springs when the Angels were training there. And I spoke to Mr. O'Malley in Vero Beach, Florida during spring training and, and spoke to Mr. Gene Autry in Palm Springs when they were in spring training. I had a, had a, a relationship with both men. So I was able to go to them and say, I'd like to start a chapel service in, on the team. And, and, and you couldn't have done that. With all due respect, I mean, you couldn't have done that. Jimmy could have. Jimmy had his dad. Al would have got him in with the Dodgers immediately. And no, no, Jimmy couldn't have done it either, he said. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the ministry began. And for the first seven years of, of my ministry life, I never spoke at chapel. It was very, very, a very, very wonderful thing doing chapel with the Dodgers and the Angels and the Rams and the Raiders. I was getting the most high-powered pastors in the area because you know if if I, if I called up you know I won't mention anyone's name but if I call and I called up the, everyone you would know and I'd say you know would you mind speaking to the Dodgers? Oh, I'll give you free tickets. Oh, and uh, you know we'll go into the locker room. Oh, you get to meet Tommy Sorda. Ooh. Yeah, what time, when? You know, if I said, we're having a Bible study for a bunch of plumbers, would you come? I'm busy. I'm very, very busy. I know I'm busy. You don't even know what day it is. I'm busy that day. I know. But go to the stadium? Oh, my, it was a piece of cake. And I got some of the most wonderful speakers. And I got to sit at their feet. And the only thing I did for about the first seven years of the ministry with these athletes was I just introduced speakers. And then we'd have Bible studies and and I'd help in that area, but I'd get, I'd get guest teachers to teach us. Until about six, seven years into the ministry, one of the, one of the real high-powered pastors in this area said, John, you should stop asking all of us. He did it maybe 12, 15 times for me over the years. He said, you should stop asking us. He said, you should do it. You should, they should see you as their spiritual leader. I said, man, I'm not, I'm not going to speak. I don't, I, I don't think that's my gift. He says, I believe it is believe it is. I had no grandiose dreams of speaking to the ball clubs. And the Lord just opened that door because I used to go to the stadium. 
I cannot tell you how many times I went to the stadium when I knew that maybe only one or two guys would come to chapel. That would be it. Near the end of the ministry we were having with the Dodgers and the Angels, for instance, with 25 players on the roster, sometimes 20, 22, 23 guys would come to chapel. I remember one day one guy never came to chapel. And he was, I won't tell you his name. And he was standing at the doorway because we, we started off with some music and there was a singer and, and, and the music drew him and he listened, you know, and he, and I saw him and I went, So he stayed outside and then he walked away. And afterwards I went up to him and I said, hey man, uh, come on to chapel. I said, what were you doing at the door? He said, I just want to see what's going on in there. Everybody's gone. I have nobody to hang around with for about 15, 20 minutes before the game. Everybody's in that room. I said, no, not everybody. He said, yeah, everybody. I said, no, you're not. Come on. I would like to say he did. He didn't ever come. But when I first started, maybe one or two guys, but after a period of time of being faithful, and I'd, in those seven years, in every year, of every year that I did chapel for 13 years with ball clubs, I never missed one weekend. I was never sick, not sick enough. I was never that tired that I didn't show up because I never knew that it wouldn't be that particular weekend that someone would need to hear about the Lord and come to Christ, and I wanted to be there. And the Lord saw that I was faithful in that. He saw that I had a desire for the people that he brought my way and that I wanted the word of God to be exalted in their midst. And he blessed that ministry. The best way for you to begin your journey to finish whatever course, as of now, I am so certain of my course. All I want to do, only thing I want to do is finish as strong as possible. I want the Lord to keep me healthy. I would prefer to die real fast, you know, so I don't have to linger. And That's too way too personal. So forgive me. I know my course. All I want to do is finish strong. And that's my desire. And I know how to finish strong. I want to fight the good fight. I want to keep my faith. And I want to finish the course that the Lord gave me. You see, where I began, this journey as a believer in Jesus Christ is not the issue. Where you began is not the issue. How you and I finish is the issue. Look what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. Almost done. Paul used one of his favorite athletic pictures to illustrate what he meant about finishing the course. He, can, he must have been someone that went to athletic events. He must have loved watching uh, people compete. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But he said, only one receives a prize. Therefore, he says, run in such a way that you may win. He says in verse 25, everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. In other words, they, 
they've, they've made their bodies as toned as they could possibly make them in their self-control. They have gotten themselves ready. And he says, they do it. They buffet their body. They exercise self-control to receive a perishable wreath. A wreath that will die in a period of time. But he says, we, we compete in a race that our reward is imperishable. It is stored away in heaven for you and me. It will never go away. Therefore, Paul says, as I say to myself and I say to you, therefore, Paul says, I run in such a way as not without aim. In other words, he's got a purpose. He knows what he's been called to do and he has a purpose to do it. He says, I box in such a way as not just beating the air. He says, I have a purpose. I have something that is in fr- I'm going to hit whatever it is that is in front of me. I don't just beat the air. He says in verse 27, I discipline my body. I make my body my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Folks, you and I have to be like this. We have to have a purpose in what we are doing with our lives. We have to be a people who have fought the good fight. We have to be a people who have finished the course that God has given to us. We have to be a people who in the process keep the faith. In Philippians 2.16, let me read it to you. Paul says, I hold fast to the word of life so that at at the day of Jesus Christ I will have reason to glory because I didn't run in vain and I didn't toil in vain. That's what I want for you and me. You see, life and death was irrelevant to Paul. His desire was simply to finish the race that God had given to him. Look, look back at Acts chapter 20. Paul further clarified what he meant by his ministry or his finishing his race. When he says in verse 24, I am to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. You see, the gospel of the grace of God is a message of forgiveness. It is a message of freedom. It is a message of hope and a message that gives you and me a future, an eternal future. All because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me. I want you to note something about Paul's call to finish his course. He did not say... And what he didn't say is just as important as what he did say. He did not say he was called to teach or to preach with any extraordinary skills. Any extraordinary wisdom. No. His ministry, his task was just to simply testify of the grace of God. The skill of what he was to do, he would leave to God to accomplish in and through his life. You see, that's the key. You and I are to be faithful to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Get busy. Be faithful in that area. If that area is already taken, then get busy doing something else. Be faithful in that area. God will in time, whether it be a week, a month, or 
seven years, he will eventually open up that door for you. All he asks of you and me is to be faithful. All he asks of us is to do this. Prepare yourself. Give him your best. And he will make whatever it is that is your best, not comparing yourself to another person, but just doing what is best in your own heart unto the Lord, he, he himself will accomplish what he has to do in and through your life. The success, the failures, it's all up to God. All he asks of you and me is to be faithful. Faithful to the people he brings our way. Faithful to, the, the, to Him, our Lord, and be faithful to His Word. He'll accomplish everything else that needs to be accomplished in and through your life. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you at the proper time. In the meantime, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. He loves you so much. Finish strong. Help me to finish strong. I will, if you allow me, help you to finish strong. Father God, may we finish the course that you have given to us. May we be a people faithful to who you are. And just just love you, Lord. Would you show all of us Father, please, what you have called us to do. In the process, may we be faithful to you, faithful to the people, faithful to your word. Now, Lord, bless everybody here. Please, Father, let them know how much I love them. Love them so much. Hard to put into words, Father, you know. So thank you for every single person here, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I do love you more than I can ever tell you. Thank you so much for being here today. See you next week.